Poso maoni work, wai wainan kitana ni mua e yoski piataya posnotaman e yum MITW podcast. A yospis piataya posnapi notaman and e hisikimaka e yoso matnamineho kihi. Welcome to the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin podcast. We are your hosts, Gary Dodge. And Sheena Wapoos. On this episode, we are joined by guest Wendell Waka, the Menominee Indian School District Superintendent. And he's going to be talking to us today about MISD's um, reopening plans. Um, so just as a quick reminder, um, we do request that you send in your uh, COVID-19 related questions to us at podcast.mitw.org. So Wendell, um, can you give us uh, a brief overview of what MISD has planned for reopening? I, sh- I sure can. And thank you, Sheena and Gary, for allowing me to be on this podcast to share information about our, our reopening plan. Um, as everyone knows, you know, due to the pandemic, um, all schools in the state of Wisconsin had to come up with a with a plan to reopen their schools safely. So we started working on that plan um, back in May, spent a lot of time working on it in June and getting it board approved, talking to the ICC, especially Dr. Schlegel, uh, really around opening up our schools as safe as we can. And so what what we're looking at doing is starting out school with a soft startup and a soft startup from September 1st through the 18th is to make sure that we get all our registrations complete. Uh, to date, uh, this morning I was informed, you know, we're over 50% fully registered with kids. 200 kids have registered for a 100% virtual, which um, to me is a, is a, is a great opportunity. So what we will be doing in those first couple weeks is making sure that um, the parents and the students have their technology, they have their passwords, they they know how to use Google Classroom, they know how to log on. Uh, We'll make sure that if there's any meetings that have to happen between parents in the school, that parents are allowed to schedule those meetings. And especially with new students or students who are transitioning from a building like uh, fifth graders going to sixth grade, they're in a new building. Eighth graders going to ninth grade, they actually need to be in the building. And so we're going to allow for that for three weeks. That gives us time uh, to get those things in place. The other thing it does is it gives our teachers extra time to get ready because they'll be teaching not just in person, but also through Google Classroom. But more importantly, we want the teachers to be able to connect with their students and their families before September 21st. What we're um, anticipating then is on September 21st is when we do the actual in-person learning. And the way we, you know, we toss different ideas of how to do it. And we decided to do it by neighborhood cohort, which uh, what we're intending on doing is because the, the Kashina area has the majority of kids that Monday and Tuesday All of the kids in the Kashina area will be in school at all our sites. The rest of the kids, um, South Branch, West Branch, Middle Village, Neopit, Zor, Menominee kids who live in Shawano who attend here, they would be off-site. 
So Monday and Tuesday, it's Kashina. Uh, Wednesday, there are no kids in the district. It is mass cleaning. We shut the place down and we have to disinfect the entire place. Then Thursday and Friday, um, all the other kids come in person and then the Kashina kids are virtual. So it's kind of like a two on and three off. And, and again, we think that gives us the opportunity to have, you know, to, to do the best we can with uh, um, social distancing, you know, safety. And, you know, our numbers are, you know, basically our buildings are kind of like half capacity, um, which, you know, is the best way that we can do. Um, again, as we go through this, this is, this is new territory for everyone, um, teachers, parents, uh, students. And so now we feel because teachers have been trained, we have a plan, we have resources, um, we're, better, we're better able to do it. Whereas back in March, when schools were shut down, we weren't ready for it. One of the, one of the big areas is Wi-Fi. Uh, many of our families don't have Wi-Fi. So what we were able to do over the over the um, summer is now we have Wi-Fi right on our buses. So we take our buses right down to the community and we have Wi-Fi and parents are able to use that and draw a signal. We also have Wi-Fi hotspots, which we can take into um, into the community. And like, say, we could go to the Boys and Girls Club. We can go to the um, to, to Zora and use the fire department. Uh, we can use the South Branch Community Center. So there are ways that we can deliver that. And again, it's going to look a little different, though, um, particularly looking at the high school and the middle school. You know, kids are older. We can use the sites, whereas elementary kids, we have we have actual mobile classrooms, which means we we put teachers, we put the Wi-Fi, we put resources, we put food, we put it on a bus, and we go out in the community. And for instance, on days when uh, kids in South Branch are not in school, we'll be up in South Branch for like 90 minutes to two hours, so parents can come there and they can get help for their kids around their child's learning. And again, um, we're, we're trying to start this like as as small as possible because we know we're probably going to learn some things that might work or we're going to learn some things that that we need to adjust but i you know i have to compliment our our schools for for being so resilient of uh you know being able to put together a, a plan like this and i also got to give our our parents credit because they've been so understanding parents have been coming in for registration you know they've been asking for help on registration um, you can kind of see it in their eyes parents Grandparents, they want their kids back in school. Uh, teachers, they were in in-service all week. We missed that, you know, they missed the kids. We're, we're ready to start school. And again, we don't, we know that being able to start school in person is really contingent on keeping our, our rates um, down, you know, doing all those uh, safety precautions. And I've made it uh, pretty clear and different whether it's been in a, uh, a Zoom meeting or whether it's been in a uh, another uh, media outlet about really staying away from the fair. And I've, uh, I've put a lot of time into reinforcing that message because I realize how important that message is uh, for our community. But, you know, one of the things I would like to say that I'm very, that I was really worried about, but after we started 
working through this plan was the communication and the collaboration and the support that we received from the Incident Command Center, um, especially Dr. Schlegel, uh, Ben Warrington, Annette. You know, we've had opportunities to come and share information with them. We've asked them for supports that we've needed, and and we're just so we're so lucky that we had that because I think if we didn't, we'd we'd really be I think we'd be pretty worried about how are we going to pull this off. But our plan is to do this for the first semester because we want to give teachers, parents, students some predictability that this is our plan for the first semester. We'll reevaluate it at the quarter, meaning we can we can make some adjustments if we need to, and then make the big decision in January for second semester. Will we continue? Uh, will we be coming back in person? And, and again, not making any predictions, but the other part that we are ready for is should we get a breakout in the community or in the school, we now have the ability to go 100% virtual if we have to. Last March, we didn't have that. So um, just a couple other quick things. Our buses, um, they're going to be less kids on the bus. We're encouraging parents to bring their kids to school if possible. We've uh, you know, we've got all our PPE for the staff, for the drivers, um, our temperature checks. Our staff right now, everyone's used to getting their temperature checked. When they come in in the morning, uh, you go to a different building for the first time to get your temperature checked. Unlike most other schools in the state, our temperature checks, we're going to do them uh, before kids get on the bus rather than leave that to a parent. Um, Again, it just to us, it, it, we think it's just we alleviate that uh, issue for the parents. So we'll take temperature checks of the kids before they get on the bus. Uh, if a kid is uh, brought to school, uh, we'll go right to the car with the thermometers. We'll do the temperature check right there. Okay. Kids walk to school. Uh, we'll do the temperature check. If they're good to go, they come in. If they're not, we will take them home. So, you know, um, I would say a lot of work has been done, but I think at this point we're ready to go. You know, we we made the decision this week, which was uh, one that we didn't want to make, but we had to, and that was around uh, football and volleyball at the high school because of them. You know, they're they're high contact sports, and and just given the unknowns that we just felt right now that uh, it's best to to postpone it, move it to the spring. Um, allow cross country, which is a much more non-contact sport and allows for more of the social distancing. But boy, it's just, um, I, I, I feel for our kids because I know it's been hard on them. So um, I, I hope that was uh, kind of an overview. Um, you know, I'm sure that I can cover more questions or more answers to questions, but at least I wanted to give you a, a brief overview of, of the work that's been done here at MISD. Are masks being required in school? Yes, masks are being required uh, by, by students and staff. Uh, we certainly know that um, the transmission rate for kids 10 and older is, is much higher, but yet we're still, we want our, our 4K, our kindergarten, our first grade, they'll wear the mask. But what we also know is kids at that age, they'll take the masks off, they'll play with their masks. And, and so it's, it's kind of like a teaching tool Yes, we are. We are requiring everyone to have masks. Okay, is there any plans in place if students uh, test positive for COVID? Yeah, we had to actually develop. Uh, it's it's kind of like an infection and mitigation uh, control plan. 
should somebody test positive. So we actually have isolation rooms. We have the actual PPE. Uh, if a student would have to be transported home, we know who has to be isolated. Um, lo and behold, if it would come down to a decision would need where we made we needed to shut down a grade or maybe a classroom, who knows, we might have to shut down an entire school. Let's hope we don't have to do that. But if it comes down to that, we have, it's almost like a, it's almost like a chart of how we respond, you know, should a kid um, have test positive or should a staff member test positive. So with the students working um, virtually at least part of the time, um, is there any plans in place to help parents with childcare? Because I know that's an issue. And, and it's also an issue for some of our staff who mm -hmm. are parents themselves. Right. And so what what we're attempting to do, and that's probably why we wanted to go out and do the mobile classrooms, being in the community. We're also um, working with the Boys and Girls Club with, uh, with Ron Korn and his staff that maybe we can have these sites where kids can come. Um, but, but it's hard when, you know, as far as childcare, here's what, here's a, the best example I can give is let's say, um, let's say Gary works during the day and has a child and he can't be with his child and help the child till the evening. Mm -hmm. our, te our teachers are now going to be flexible with the understanding that a parent and a child might be working at supper time. It might be the weekend, and we have to have that flexibility versus saying, you know what, uh, you got to be signed on here. It's eight o'clock in the morning. Got to be ready to go. That's why we, we put all our lessons online, and and again, you know, we archive them. But we have to have support people in the event that you know should a child need extra help, and we know they're going to need help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, I go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just, you know, the whole thing around the child care and the problem we have is we work in a, in a system that requires you to be present in front of kids. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that's what's hard for us. So we also know that, um, I know in, in conversations with ICC that um, I think some of the tribal members um, are going to get some of that flexibility uh, should they be able to work remotely. The problem here is our staff doesn't have the ability to work remotely, but we do have teachers that are actually um, scheduled to be teaching online 100%. Okay. Wow. Was there anything that you think is anything else that you think is important for the community to know going into the reopening? Um, I guess I shared this with the staff um, when they came back this week, is that there are no good solutions. We have, we have tried so many different scenarios and, and, and there's, there's always gonna be some give and take. And, you know, and I, I shared with them some of the analogies out there that, that they're using for schools. Like, you know, they say it's like uh, building a plane while it's in the air. Well, that, I don't know if I quite like that analogy. Um, what I've said to our staff, and, and the same message is going to go to the parents: is this is new for all of us. Um, there, there, there's a lot of angst, um, some, some anxiety, just because of, of this being new, knowing that um, 
you know, we're, we're affected by, um, you know, a, a number of factors. And I, and I think what, if anything, this COVID thing has, has done, it should teach us to be patient with one another. And um, I know we, we need to be extra patient with our, with our families. And especially, um, you know, it was great to see grandparents coming in this week, registering their kids. And, you know, I can't even think of that extra, that extra stress that, that, uh, grandparents have in raising their grandchildren. But, you know, what we've assured them is that um, we have support people and we're going to have people that not only they can call, but we'll also have people that will actually be out in the community checking up on them. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, Wendell, thank you for joining us today and giving us this update. And um, We'd be happy to have you on again sometime if you're interested in that, maybe in the future. <laughs> I, I, I'd be happy to. Let's let's let us get school off the ground, and <laughs> maybe we can come back uh, at the end of the first quarter, and we can mm -hmm. talk about what's working and and what we're learning that that we need to change. But I, I just want to thank you uh, for being able to come in and and share what we're doing. And and again, we miss our kids, and we are excited and waiting for them. Now. Wainan for listening to the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also listen to the podcast on menominee-nsn.gov under the community tab. Keep up to date by following us on Facebook at MITW Podcast. We do weekly updates with Vaughn and welcome any community questions you have regarding COVID-19. Please send them in to us via email at podcast at mitw.org.